2: It's two dudes in a kitchen with Tyler Florence and Wells Adams and I Heart radio podcast time for another episode of two dudes in a kitchen and I'm excited about this one because uh, we're gonna be talking about something that I know which is booze. My name is Wells. I'm alongside Tyler Florence. How are you, buddy? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm excited. Our guest today is this isn't his main thing is making drinks like at all. His main thing is making amazing movies and TV shows that we all love. But the pandemic did a lot of weird things to a lot of people. And that was like, have everyone have a side hustle. Yeah. And Paul Feig, like actor, comedian, director, writer, producer. He's known for directing films that have like Melissa McCarthy in it, like Bridesmaids, The Heat, Spy and Ghostbusters. He also directed the black comedy mystery, A, a Simple Favor, and the romantic comedy, The Last Christmas. He also did Freaks and Geeks, which I was a huge fan of back huge in the day. Huge fan
3: of. Hysterical. Yeah.
2: But anyway, so he's done all this stuff. You know, he, he directed like a couple episodes of The Office, Arrested Development, Weeds, Nurse Jackie, all this stuff. But during the pandemic, he started making drinks uh, like on his social media. And now he's like got this whole other thing going where he's got his own gin line, uh, cocktail time. This guy literally has done everything. And this is going to be a very fun episode.
3: He is a Hollywood royalty there's no doubt about it, especially kind of the dark days of the pandemic. Um, it was a bright life off on social media to watch this guy to sort of just embrace it and have a great time. I love his uh, Bon Vivant style. Uh, the man loves a good corsage. He's always dressed to the nines, and he makes incredible cocktails, and we're very excited to have him on the show today.
2: Let's bring him in. Paul, we're so excited to have you on Two Dudes in a Kitchen. Uh, how you doing? I'm
4: good. I'm very good. I'm uh, in Atlanta, about to start shooting a new movie, and um Yeah, things are things are lovely.
2: Okay, you got to tell us we did this kind of whole big preamble kind of explaining all the things that you have done, all the amazing projects that we all love and watch over the years. But now you've pivoted over to, well, what I do on TV, which is make drinks. So how did this happen? (laughs)
4: um it happened during the pandemic really you know we were uh, i was shooting the pilot for welcome to Flatch, our, our tv show that's on fox now and um we had to shut down obviously because everybody had to shut down and so you know i went back to la i remember just getting in that day and going like okay what am i gonna do <laughs> you know i had plenty of writing and prep to do on a movie i was gonna do and all that but i i wanted to help somehow and and so I didn't know what to do other than I go, well, I have all these old cocktail books and I've always wanted to try to teach myself how to make real cocktails. I always made a good martini, but uh, didn't know how to make more mixology and thought oh, it's like doing like an Instagram live show every day. And uh, that way I can raise money for first responders and for covid charities. And it just kind of took off. And, you know, and I just said, I'm going to do it 100 days in a row every day at five o'clock. Weekends too, so the people just hopefully have something, something to look forward to. Not that they look forward to mine, but something there. Because you just, you know, I just knew we needed routine during that terrible time, and so go okay, I can be this five o'clock thing, and we'll booze it up and make and, and raise
3: money. <laughs> and it was the best, by the way. I, I got to tell you, thank you so much for that because I think there was a real community of artists and producers and DJs and chefs that all kind of came together and made the world somewhat normal and and just projected humanity and just had a great time every day. Like I was uh, producing, uh, uh, um, you know, Zoom cook-along classes. We were doing four or five a week uh, for a year and a half. I mean, as, as everyone's business started to fall apart in a way, we just got really creative and started producing those like really kind of super high-end 4K, four camera, you know, cook along classes. I mean, we gave very, very sexy Zoom. It was the best Zoom anybody ever had. And and but <laughs> I, I just felt like that that share part of it kind of felt like felt like it, it's all going to be okay in a way because at least we have each other. And so I just want to thank you yeah. for that because like no nobody asked you to do that, right? It was just you going, okay, here's how I'm going to contribute, and it was fantastic.
4: Oh well, thanks, and, and I mean kudos to you for doing that. I mean, anything we could do to kind of normalize things for people, you know, and that was it was such a terrifying time. I mean, now that we have vaccines and all that, we kind of know what it does. But remember back then it was just like, is it a cloud of alien gas? Like, you know, you just had no idea. We're wiping everything down. So it it felt like at that time it was such a terrifying time that like, oh, whatever we can do. And also my thing was I wanted to kind of get people to not just be in their pajamas all day because there's nothing more depressing than like spending the day in the, the, the clothes that you slept in, you know?
3: Yeah, dude. I was like in a coffee in Mill Valley, this little town where my studio is in Northern California. And I, I heard two, two adults talking to each other and everybody had masks on and one looked at the other the other and said, you know, there's a difference between your daytime pajamas and your nighttime pajamas. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it was a dark time. It was a, a dark time for everybody. So I want to hear about everything. I want to hear about, like, what makes a great cocktail because uh, Wells is a fantastic bartender, too. So you guys can chit-chat about that. We want to hear about your gin, right? Yeah. Your gin sounds Total. delicious, by the way, right? Thank you. Let's start off. Let's have a little bartender uh, bar off right now like you guys start talking about your cocktails what's your favorite then Wells, what's your favorite let's get drunk
2: all right we already said let's that you are you're a martini man paul yeah the fact that you have a gin makes me think that you are a gin martini man but tell me what makes the perfect martini
4: well uh first of all a, a real martini is always gin. so i will put that out there uh <laughs> fight amongst yourselves everybody and call me a <laughs> a meanie if I say that, but um, to me, a perfect martini has to be a few things. It has to be very dry. I like a very dry martini. Some people like a, you know, a dirty martini or a wetter martini with more of our vermouth. I think the vermouth should be in there the same way when you get like a good single malt scotch and you put like a drop of water in there, it just opens it up. That's really what the vermouth is in there, dude. Just kind of open it up and make it not. So you're not just drinking a big glass of gin, (laughs) Um, but then it has to be very, very cold. And and you know part of the secret there's there's two great ways to make a martini. One is the Duke's martini way, which is uh, there's a, a bar in in, uh, in London called Duke's Bar, which is in the Duke's Hotel. And there, what they do, Alessandro Palazzi, the the bartender, he freezes the gin, freezes the glass, and so basically when it comes comes to the table, they make a tableside, brings out the frozen glass, puts a few drops of, of vermouth in it swills it around to kind of coat the edges. And then he throws it down on the carpet. He throws the vermouth out on the carpet and then he just pours in the frozen vermouth and uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, the frozen gin, you know? And so it's ice, ice cold. And then he has these Amalfi Coast lemons and he does a big twist and expresses the, the oil over the top, rubs the edge of the glass, drops it in. And that is a fantastic martini, but it's very, very strong. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds, it sounds delicious.
3: Yeah, so there's, there's re- technically no vermouth in it whatsoever. He just throws it over his shoulder. No, I mean it, he coats the glass with it, so it okay. is in ah, there, yeah, right. you know. Okay, because again, if it, it, you
4: know, that was always the thing with you know, like Churchill. You know, just look at the bottle, you know, of vermouth. But yeah, it, yeah. if there's no vermouth in there, it's you're just drinking gin then. So, and you, it's it, it's getting that small proportion of, of vermouth right that makes a perfect martini.
3: I know Wells. What what about you? Let's let's hear your perfect martini.
4: Oh,
2: I mean, so I I disagree. Like I know that that's the traditional way to make a martini, but I don't think it's good. I think that that is a fancy way of saying I'm going to have a cold shot of gin. So I I do (laughs) like it dirty. I do like olive juice. I like olives in my martinis. But I have to be honest with you. I I can only do like one a night. Like if if. If it's a two martini situation, it's yeah. going to be a uh, no going to work the next day for, for me. So I have to really pick and choose. Um, I agree yeah. with you. I, I do like a gin martini over a vodka martini. I think that an espresso martini is blasphemy, but my beautiful <laughs> wife loves it. So, <laughs> you know, say la vie, I yeah. suppose. Um, no, I,
3: I think I think the best martini I've ever had, and I, I've had martinis everywhere. And I think actually we make a really really good martini at my steakhouse in San Francisco. Uh, was at the Hemingway Bar at the Ritz Hotel in Paris, right? Yeah. So it's are- now you can have it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can have a choice between uh, a gin and vodka, uh, but it's a really beautiful like the glass is petite, but like I think a, 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 it's not a coupe, so it's a V-shaped glass, which I prefer. I think that's a really really nice because you get your hands around it, right? And then, what they do, with, which I think is really interesting, is they take olive juice and then they freeze it with an olive as an ice cube. And then they float mm. both on top of the well shaken, super hard shaken martini poured into the glass. And then they float the uh, olive juice ice cube in there. And as it starts to melt, it starts to d- dissipate and changes the flavor as you go. And I think that, and maybe. Maybe we just had a lot to drink that night. And it was, uh, we had, And we were at the Hemingway Bar in Paris. But it was really, it was very, very special. I was kind of touched. I'm like, that's as good as it gets. Well, that's cool. I mean,
4: if I may be devil's advocate here. Um, my only issue with like an olive or anything in a martini is that it overtakes the gin it, or the vodka or whatever. It just, that becomes the drink is olive flavored alcohol. And so I think that's what I like about a twist is that because I just really like the taste of gin? And, you yeah. know, And again, I think the mojito opens up a little bit, but when you put the the twist on top, it brightens it up. So I, to me, it's basically like if you like a darker in taste drink, go for the olive or dirty, and if you like a brighter, lighter one, go for the lemon. So there
3: you go. I saw this bartender one time do this for like really fancy trick, and it's always like everybody has their own little thing. And so we expressed the the lemon on top of the martini, and then he actually rubbed the stem. of the the martini glass with, with the lemon peel and then floated the lemon peel on top of that. And I just thought that was so classy. Because when you touch, it, all of a sudden you have the lemon oil aroma on your fingers. And I thought that was a really nice touch.
4: It's a very that's a very controversial thing. Again, like my pal Alessandro Palazzi, who's kind of the king of the Martini in London at this place. I because somebody told me that too, and he and he he doesn't agree with it because he thinks that it, it it then you've got too much lemon on your fingers and the oil versus if you put it on the top and you just rub the rub the lip and around the edge. But I don't know. I mean, I have done it both ways, and I think it's kind of cool. There's a really interesting thing they do um, at the Connaught Bar in London, where and I don't. I actually I think this is kind of BS, but they pour it. They pour. And I like the place. But that's a great bar, by the way. That's a great bar. It's always voted the best bar in the world. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, I love but, it. But they make it tableside there. But what they do is they, when they pour the gin or vodka, whatever, they'll they'll do it way up high, so it's this little stream. And then they take the twist and they like express the twist onto the pouring stream. My issue with that is that it's got to be cold. So the minute it's like you know going through the air, it's getting less cold. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Versus. Uh. There's nothing worse than when you get served a martini and it's just kind of cold. You know, I'll just send it back and say like just put it back in the ice, let it sit there. I don't care if it gets watered down, just make it cold. Uh,
3: right. I totally agree. I think it takes the edge off the alcohol. I think it makes creams it out, right? Gives it a nice sort of like nice mouthfeel and then and and balances out the flavor for sure.
4: Yeah, totally.
3: Totally. Yeah. yeah. I okay. love it.
2: We can't just talk about martinis uh, on this show. Oh, damn. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, no, I want to know so like Martini was your was your go-to drink before you kind of started this um this journey down becoming um a bartender. Uh what is your what is your favorite drink to make that isn't a martini?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, it, you know, for me personally, look, I like a Negroni, you know, but that that's that's so easy to make, um, you know, but it's great. And there's so many different ways to make a Negroni. My my tip for everybody: don't use Campari. Uh, I know this is very, very. Again, this is a very controversial uh, appearance I'm making. All right, so then what's your substitute? I want to hear this. Well, there's just a lot of uh, Italian aperitivos, you know, mm-hmm. red aperitivo, bitter, and I there's one um, that Galliano makes that's fantastic, that's lighter. My problem with Campari is it's I find it very syrupy, yeah. you know. And so a lot of times on Negronis, you're kind of like, nah, you know, kind of like you just drink this Serbian thing. So if you get I find get a ballsier um, red vermouth and get a lighter aperitivo and then you'll, you'll just hang on and have a nicer, nicer time with your with your Negroni, if you will.
2: And you will also have less of the because I do like think that Campari is so sugary that it really yeah. affects those hangovers.
4: Yeah, it's weird because, it's you know, it's bitter, but it's weirdly this sweet bitter. It's very bizarre. But if I had to pick kind of my favorite drink out of my book, Cocktail Time, and there it is. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a drink called the Golden Dawn, which wow. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. And it's uh, it, it won all these awards, like in England. It was voted like in the 30s, like the best drink, you know, uh, of the century or something like that. And it's really good. It's, it's a gin-based drink. And um, it is half ounce of cal- Calvados, which is apple brandy, three quarter ounce of uh, gin, dry gin, uh, three quarter ounces of uh, Cointreau. But you could also use a Grand Marnier if you wanted um, three quarter ounce of apricot brandy three oh, quarter. Ounce- yes, you're right. Orange juice and then a cocktail cherry and, and a little bit of cherry syrup from the Luxardo and, and you know, mm-hmm. drizzle in there. And it's it's like a knockout. But it's it's. I don't like when drinks get too sweet, and I also don't like when drinks cover up their alcohol too much. You know, there's, I don't I like when like, oh, I'm not drinking a drink, and then suddenly you stand up and you're gonna fall over. You know, like, I want, I, the alcohol is part of the fun of having a drink, and this kind of has it all. If you love sports and true crime, then
5: there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.
2: you have done so many amazing films and TV shows, which makes me believe that you're around a lot of big celebrities at parties. And I imagine you do what I do at parties where then all of a sudden I'm holding court because no one can make a drink as good as I can. So yes. guess what, guys, I'm going to make some drinks. Everyone shut the hell up. Yep. Uh, do you have some some great stories of making drinks for, uh, you know, big celebrities that people would be like, wow, what a cool night that must have been?
4: Well, I mean, none that I can tell. No, I mean, actually, <laughs> the, the one and I can't name any names in this, but but some you know some people I know who were, were kind of celebrities. They they wanted to do this party, kind of like a retro party, where they we went to this kind of you know uh, mid century kind of house, and they hired this person to give a lecture on how to do like mid century cocktails and all that. So this person got up and started making a martini, and they were making it so terrible and wrong that i had to i'm like you you know it's like i can't take this anymore it's like can i please just intervene here and so i ended up doing that and just boozed everybody the hell up and it was terrible but uh, um but they had good martinis so that's all i'll say what do you think
2: is the absolute necessities because this is this is always a thing that happens when Christmas time comes around and it's like, what should we get? Or like, I'll do a gift guide for some outlet or something. And I'm like, Hey, listen, like everyone needs really good bar supplies and everyone needs like four or five really good glasses. Mm -hmm. Um, What are your go-tos when it comes to your bar necessities and your glasses?
3: Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, I talk about this in the book because I want people to be able to set up their bar there's so many different ways in. If you're just going bare bones, you don't have a lot of money. You just want the essentials. You really just need a good shaker. You know, mm-hmm. um, and the, the cobbler is sort of the easiest because that's the, the three-piece one with the strainer in the top because then you don't have to buy a strainer. Um, and then really, I mean, you just need a jigger and you're kind of off to the races. You can use anything else out of, out of the kitchen. I, per- I personally prefer a mixing glass and, and a big long spoon because I just think it's a more elegant way to make it. But glassware—that—that that is the most important part because you can look—you know, you, you can make drinks in, in you know, in Tupperware, you know, if you want, if nobody has to watch you do it. But it's the glasses because you know you need cocktail glasses, which are martini glasses. If you want to do coupe, that's fine. You can do like a thistle glass, even you, you know anything that is kind of dedicated to a drink that doesn't have ice in it, you know. And then you need a good. Old-fashioned glasses. I think old-fashioned glasses are the key to everything. You could honestly, you could serve a martini in an old-fashioned glass if you mm-hmm, need, mm-hmm. It. and it's just elegant. Get them heavy-bottomed because you know you're going to use them for 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 scotch and and for whiskey. And there's nothing worse than a light glass of of scotch because you know you're always going to have like you know a quarter of an inch you know, a half inch if you're really getting a double or a triple or whatever. But the, the weight's got
3: to be important on those, right? You the want that
4: weight on, and you want it on the bottom. You don't want a top heavy yeah. glass. So like a like kind of a thinner wall with a big heavy bottom is, is pretty great. And then after that, I mean, highball glasses, which are kind of like, you know, not a Tom Collins. It's a little too thin, but just almost like a water glass. But it's that, you know, if you watch those movies from like the 1930s, Everybody just had highball glasses and a, and a thing of seltzer, and they'd pour some whiskey and, and they'd drink everything out of these kind of taller highball glasses, which obviously things looks e- elegant as hell. And if you got that, you know, and a few wine glasses for people who want to have wine, you're all set.
2: Well, and I guess the last thing you'd need to have uh, is your bartending book.
4: Well, of course. I mean, here it is, you know. So and it's and but I literally tell you how to you can you can understock your bar or you can just go bananas with muddlers and you know, all kinds of stuff. But uh but that's the fun. That's the fun of setting up your bar, is it slowly grows as your repertoire grows, you know, and, and the especially with your bottles. I mean, you know, it's my house now looks like a like a booze museum, you know, there's just a gazillion thing. This is not my house, by the way. I'm just it's a place I'm renting in in Atlanta right now. But because uh, yeah, I almost because during the pandemic, I really set up like a test kitchen because I was making uh-huh. so many different drinks and I would love to find a drink with with like a, a, an ingredient that I haven't heard of and then order it through Drizzly and they would drive it over, you know, and it just grew and grew. And now it looks like a booze hoarder's house.
3: Now, did, did you start writing the cookbook before you were doing the Instagram thing during the pandemic or or did it become call
4: no it. it came from the show because i was doing these but i i wouldn't post the the um the recipes because i just want people to watch it and, and make them with me and a lot of people are just like can you just write them down and put them out in something so i just started writing them down but then as i did i was like oh i've got advice i want to talk to about you know about throwing a party and you know because knowing that we're going to be coming out of the pandemic just like you know with the spanish flu back in the roaring 20s you know that's where that that's why the roaring 20s happened because everybody was coming out of you know three years of lockdown so i kind of feel like yeah you know now Now, you know, obviously we're still contending with it a bit, but now that it's sort of ebbing away, you feel people going like, let's have parties, man. You know, so I really wanted to do it for that. And then I just... Also thought, well, I should each drink should maybe have a like a funny story
3: attached to it. So it just kind of grew and grew. I love that. Now, when, when we make cocktails at my house, right? my, my wife actually makes really good cocktails. This is kind of a two part question. She makes cocktails in batches. Right. And I always think that's a great way to make cocktails for parties specifically, just so you can kind of like knock out one round and then knock out a second round and then maybe a third if the party's mm-hmm. going great. And then so tell me a great cocktail you can actually batch out. Uh,
4: Manhattan's Manhattan's are great to batch out and actually um, my friend, Steve Higgins, you know, who's uh, Jimmy Fallon's sidekick. He got one, he got like this keg, like a wooden keg that he makes it and almost kind of ages it in there. So he'll, he'll put it in there and just kind of let it sit. And they just, I I just find like, like a Manhattan just gets richer and richer as as you go along. I'm a big fan of the perfect Manhattan uh, myself, which is instead of, you know, two ounces of, uh, of bourbon or whiskey and then an ounce of sweet vermouth, uh, you do half sweet vermouth and half dry vermouth. Mm. Uh, and it just, t- again, it takes that sweetness off. I'm always trying to get rid of that syrupy thing, you know, yeah. like we talked about Negroni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but yeah, a batch of Manhattan sitting there for
3: a while is dynamite. Now, the second part of my question here too, because when it comes to batches, like sometimes like my wife and I will make cocktails together and literally we'll just make it up, right? Like we'll start off with the idea, okay, we're going to make a margarita but we're now we're going to make an apple cider margarita. Right. So like, especially and it's, they're delicious, but we kind of make it up as we go. Um, from a chef's perspective, like the culinary cocktails, when you go out to dinner at a fancy restaurant, are you into like the modern cocktails that have a culinary twist to it? Uh, cause it sounds like you're more, you, you love the classics. Yeah. I mean, I always hate to not
4: try them, but every time I try them, it's not that I don't like them. I always feel like you know, now I've lost my window for just having a great martini with this meal, you know, so, but I do like to try it and I, and I like to look at their ingredients list and go like, oh, that's cool. You know, like if I see something that I'm really, drawn to, I go like, I never would have thought of putting those two things together or that sounds interesting. Then, I, then I'll try it. But, you know, it, it's kind of like when I go to New York and, um, you know, I, I want to go see theater, but I also know if I go see theater, it's going to screw up my dinner. And you're, either you go to see theater or you go to dinner, you know? And so I always end up going to dinner. So, yeah. So that's how I feel about getting a fancy cocktail versus a, a traditional martini.
2: Before you go, I, I want to know about your gin because it's one thing to write an amazing, you know, drink book, but like you made your own gin and it, like, you can go buy it.
4: <laughs> I know it's crazy, right? This is my recipe that I developed, uh, I designed the bottle. So this is not one of these situations of like, you know. Some other celebrities we know who don't <laughs> name let's just buy into the company. This has like been my baby for like, I mean, you know, 25 years. I've been wanting to do this. And about now it's been seven years, I think, since we you know started the process. And yeah, we've won a ton of awards. I mean, we got a ninety-eight from one of the magazines, a ninety-four from tasting panel. We've won yeah. best in show, best gin. And yeah, I, you know, I I I kind of searched the world looking for the perfect gin and never quite found it. And always from all that kind of research I did everywhere, went like I know exactly what it needs to taste like. And so that's when I developed this, it was just I was able to hit that flavor profile that nobody else, I don't feel, has ever really hit. And there's some that are similar, but I think like we're because we're very it's it's bright, uh, it's slightly floral, but not overwhelmingly so. It's slightly citrusy, not overwhelmingly slow. So and but it's got a nice peppery back back burn, you know, back finish. And and what I love about it is it really works well as a vodka substitute, too. So any any cocktail that requires vodka, it just gives it a little more interest, I, I find, personally.
3: So if you had to describe the flavor of gin, I think to a lot of people who are, you know, purists, um, and, you know, sometimes it's hard to get people off of the Blanco tequila kick. Like, that's all everybody drinks today, is oh like God, either vodka God. vodka or, or tequila. Um, tell everybody, like, when you taste gin, what are you tasting? You Well, I mean, if you're tasting a traditional gin, it's going to
4: stick with you this kind of piney taste, uh, you know, which is why a lot of people don't like gin. I mean, Americans don't in general like gin because of those traditional beef feeders, you know, which is just like, it's, it's like pine salt, you know, and, like and so, juniper, juniper, right? Yeah. Super Juniper. You can't have gin without Juniper. Um, Uh But if you can regulate how much there is, and the great thing about gin is gin is really, you know, at its core, I hate to say this flavored vodka, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's ethanol that, that, that then is infused with these flavors. And but the amount the the number of flavors you can put into a gin are literally infinite. So that's why there can be just, you know, a gazillion types of of gin. Uh, but it just it just makes it more interesting because my problem with, with vodka has always been, you know, like a frozen vodka, you know, with caviar or something like that. That's fantastic. But it always feels like I'm pretending I'm not drinking. You know what I mean? Like they regulate vodka to not have any flavor. You know, so it's kind of like, again, going back to what I said earlier, I, I mean, have a drink. I want it to taste like a drink, you know, and so that's what I like about gin. You gotta get the same, you, you know, the clear spirits, which I, Actually help me out, fellas. I, I still don't understand why tequila has gone through the roof the way it has. Everybody says it's the healthiest one. It's it's low cal. The clear spirits are lower cal than than, than um tequila. So I don't quite know how this, this thing happened where everybody thinks that's the the skinny thing to drink and everybody's obsessed with it. Because Mexico's fine, right? And Mexico's <laughs> exactly, fine. Exactly. You know I exactly. Mean? <laughs> right. I just they attach all these like health benefits to it now. And I'm kind of like, hold on. Gang. Tequila is great, but let's not pretend that it's this magical elixir. Well,
2: I bartend in Mexico on TV, and everybody, it's the funniest thing in the world. Everyone drinks tequila with pineapple juice, and they're all, you know, really healthy, shredded people because they're filming on TV and they've got, they're in bathing suits and stuff. And I'm always like, this is hilarious. This is the this is drink is just sugar and <laughs> no. tequila. Like, this is the worst thing you could be drinking right now. You should be drinking like a martini if you want to keep it really tight. Oh, totally. uh, I don't I don't get it. And also it it messes with my stomach. I, I would much yeah. rather have a gin martini than yeah. a margarita.
4: No, I find there's no worse hangover in this world than a tequila hangover. <laughs> I agree. No, but the, the, uh, to me the ultimate skinny drink, and you know, I just push this because I'm very, I'm also very, and this is going to be heresy for a lot of people. I'm very anti gin and tonic. Uh, I, I I don't like tonic water, but even that aside, it's super sugary. It's super high cal. But gin and soda chef's kits, you know because you you taste the gin so you get the taste of the gin put lemon or lime in it whatever you want but it's a total skinny drink compared to you know definitely compared to a, a gin and tonic but you know definitely compared to uh tequila and, and, and pineapple juice. I feel like there would be a lot of
2: really good garnishes that could go with that like uh I, I imagine yeah. cucumber would go really
4: well and yeah a mint or a basil also would go, would go in there really well and you can make it like spa water, you know? I mean, I've yeah. had it where they put all kinds of fruit and stuff in there. That's really fun. I've, I've had it where they even put black pepper in there. There's this one uh, um, French gin, really uh, good, called uh, Pink Pepper, and it's kind of like peppery. Ooh. And they just put, like, peppercorns in there. So, yeah, it, it, nice. it's, it's a canvas that you can paint upon, you know? Well, Paul, it's been so...
2: Freaking fun to talk with you and hear your side of making drinks. And as someone who who thinks of themselves as a very good bartender, this has been a a good conversation to have. Everyone out there, go buy Cocktail Time. I imagine you can get
4: it everywhere and yeah it's in all barns all your bookstores you can get on Amazon and then if you're interested in Ardingstahl's gin go to dot com to find out where you can get it because you can get it in some states you can't get it in other states but you can have it shipped to you in most places so um dot gin.com
2: well well I'm, I'm in California that. can I get it here can I go to Bevmo? Yeah you
4: can okay. uh, yeah I mean it depends where are you there
2: I'm in Studio City
4: <laughs> oh you are okay go <laughs> okay. to the flask they sell it at the flask
2: oh perfect all right yeah, okay, right, check at it today
4: Nice. Jen is the tequila. You heard her hair first. There you go. Exactly. (laughs) Paul,
2: thank you so much for being on Two Dudes in the Kitchen. This was uh, truly enjoyable. Um, You're a a beauty of a man. And, you know, when you get done with filming, whatever you're doing in Atlanta, please come back to the West Side. And I would like to have a martini made by you one day. Let's
4: do it. I'm in for that. And thank you so much. I could talk about this stuff all day and you guys are great. I really appreciate you having me on. See you, buddy. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Take care, man. Bye, -bye. Steve. He's fun, huh? First of all, as the old radio host, I wish I had that voice. Like, he's obviously super talented from all the things that he does. And then, like, he has this whole side business of making drinks and cookbooks and gin. What can't Paul do?
3: Yeah, you, you just appreciate when someone's got such a passionate side hustle that they could literally replace their full time job with it, right? Like this guy could start a beverage company, start you know, you know, becoming like the gin king of California, write a whole handful of cookbooks like this, especially cocktail books. I mean, because cocktails right now are literally. About a third of what we talk about from an R and D standpoint in our restaurants, because it's yeah. always cocktail time. It's always new cocktail season, so we get together with our beverage team and we start coming up with cocktails that we think are are great. And I, I have really hard rules about them. They can't be fussy. Or, you know, they can't be like overly engineered. They've got to be very very clean and really kind of respecting the spirit first and foremost, right? Which I think is I think really really. Um, successful for cocktails, right? They're not silly, um, but I just love his perspective. I think it's great, man.
2: Yeah, and it's it's funny because there are so many similarities when it comes to making good drinks and making good food, and a lot of it is you can play around with things and uh, try different things. But what I've found that is the most like similar in both of them is the simple things are always the best things. Yeah, Like my favorite drinks are martinis or old fashions or Negronis. And those are the easiest drinks to make. There are generally three things and good ice and like, that's it. And then when it comes to food too, it's like, I need garlic. I need butter. I need a good mm-hmm. protein and maybe some rosemary or something and salt. And like, that'll be like one of the best things ever, you know?
3: I just don't mess it up. And I, I'm with you, right? Cause I think less is more. I think really, really great cocktails, it's all about their strength because everybody can start putting a ton of things into the shaker, but you really kind of end up with this like muddy, blurry, you know, drink that doesn't really taste like anything in particular. Um, But I do respect and love our beverage team because my God, are they brilliant, right? I mean, they'll come up with cocktails um, that that are just like yummy, right? We have these things that are like either sippers or slammers, right? So the slammers are things you're like, oh, my God, it's so delicious. I can literally just like chug the whole thing. And yeah. There's things that we call like sippers or like snugglers, things you just want to savor for a little while. I just love kind of going through our R&D thing. We do it about three and a half times a year. Uh, we flip our our cocktail list over. So the so next time we say Francisco, if it happens to be at that time, we would love to uh, maybe have a celebrity drink from you. Wouldn't that be fun?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Or I just want to be there for like the trying of different things. And I just, I just want free booze, Tyler. That's really all. all that's all I want.
3: Free booze and free steak. You you eat for free in my restaurants. You know that. Anytime, my friend.
2: I gotta say, Paul's done a lot of smart things in his life, but maybe one of the smartest things was figuring out a way to write off. Well, I have to go around and try every gin because I'm gonna start a gin company.
3: <laughs> right. Oh my God. Genius. I love that. That's good. And and gin is one of those things, man. It, it's definitely a um uh a, a preferred taste, right? Like not everybody's into it um like i you know i have restaurants in san francisco we kind of live in the suburbs so a lot of our friends that kind of live in the suburbs with us are like tequila vodka you know really really great white burgundy they kind of get in the same things over and over again so i'm gonna i'm gonna take his leave man. i'm gonna get some gin and start mixing it up i think you should man
2: all right well uh today was good i'm gonna go i think make a drink uh
3: yeah it's like i'm getting a little thirsty i didn't yeah so delicious it's good it's five o'clock somewhere man let's go Exactly. All right. See you, buddy. All right, buddy. Take care. Thanks. All
2: right, guys. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at two dudes in a kitchen. Make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. <laughs>
3: we'll take that.
2: And we'll see you guys next time. See you next time.
0: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep Pivots.